Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. This is Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Welcome to Sports Day SA. We're back. It's Monday, another week. And you can be part of the show. Call in on 1300 736 736. Or you can text in 0427 154 166. That's the week's open line. Discover exceptional customer service. Week's home. Discover different. Uh, Paul Bonds are with you. And I've got a very special guest. And I could call him a premiership coach now. And uh, Hawthorne champion. I'm a Hawks man too. Jade Rawlings. Welcome to Sports Day. Hey, Bonds. Thanks very much. Yeah, very much looking forward to having a chat over the next hour. Yeah, good to have you in, Twig. You're very loose with your terminology of the Hawthorne part. Very oh, well, I'm, I'm a bit biased. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who wore the brown and gold. Well, you played over 100 games with the Hawks, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I yeah. was a Hawthorne supporter as a kid and I uh, just felt it was that far off reality that I could even think about living in Melbourne and playing for Hawthorne, let alone it happening. So... I got to play with my heroes for probably three to four years, and yes. most of them were probably done by that stage. So we'd probably didn't get, get to play with them when they were at their best. But uh, yeah, I got to spend ten years at the club that I supported, so I was very fortunate. All right, we'll talk to you about uh, your Nord experience uh, soon, but we'll get on to our hot topic first. Thanks to Char Time, the home of freshly brewed tea. Thirsty at Char Time? Explore our ready-made signature drink range inspired by Char Time fan faves. We're going to talk about the cricket. Uh, Australia have wrapped up the one-day series, beating England 2-zip. There's another game tomorrow. And uh, the other night, uh, sorry, last night, Australia 8 for 280. No, it was Saturday night. I'm getting a good start from me, Sam. Um, 8 for 280. Smith made 94. Labashane 50. Marsh 50. Adil Rashid 3 for 57. And then they... Bold out Engler for 208. Vince, uh, Vince was good with 60. Billings, 71. Zampa, 4 for 47. Uh, Stark was the one that impressed me, 4 for 47. Just showed Twig that he gets wickets with with the new ball. He swings the new ball. He gets wickets. And to leave him out of that T20 game against Afghanistan, it just, just said, why did they? Made yeah, no sense. I'm sure there'll be justification at the selection table at different format, different circumstances at the time, but people who know cricket very well said that's as good a first over as Mitch Stark's bold his, yes. his career. So it's as if it's a capability thing, and it was extraordinary. Like, Milan made 100 in the first game, and he just got one. He, he's missed two in a row, then cops one that he's can't, can't Yeah, it's not like he's not in form. No, so he's almost <laughs> batting too well because he played in the line of it beautifully. But Stark, we all know that follow cricket, it's, it's a new ball bowler. You have to take the good with the bad. And what I've found in... Stuff like that. I think sometimes people aren't prepared to take the bad, but very happy to take the good. And um, he's had a terrific career for Australia. Yeah, and we'll uh, continue to do so for a little while. Uh, this form of Steve Smith leading in, into the test matches is also very positive for Australian cricket. Changed his – if you look at some of the – and they did this split screen over the weekend as well. 
just the way he's changed his stance. He's a lot more side on uh, than open. He's not moving around as much. And that was always a Steve Smith thing is the way – look how much he's moving. Look how and he's still hitting the ball in the middle. But uh, he's sort of gone back a bit more technically correct, but batted beautifully across the two first games. Good habits will always stack up under pressure, Bonds. And I'm a bit of a cricket sicko, so I sit at home and watch YouTube videos of Steve Smith hundreds. That's how sick I am. But I watched his 200 in the Ashes. Yes. Not long ago. Okay. Yeah. When I was really bored. Um, and it looked like Steve on Saturday night. Mm. Like he was driving was unbelievable. He's just timing the ball, stepping into it. Not too many pre-ball movements, but he's just a star. You never write off champions. And he's no. a champion. And I think he's best – Possibly his best critic could be ahead of him. He looks hungry again and he Just, doesn't he talks he? about his hands and all that. It actually means something to him. So if he's talking the right language, I'm excited because uh, the fair bit of test cricket in particular that's coming up is going to be quite interesting. Yeah, if I'm West Indies and South Africa, I'm a bit concerned. Yeah, the West Indies shouldn't be underestimated. Like, I've been watching them in their last few test matches. They're highly competitive with the ball. They've got some blokes yes. who can seriously bat. And I think the South African series is going to be a cracker because their bowling attack is high end. Yeah, I agree. Their bowling attack is as good as any any attack in the world. It's equal with Australia, equal with England. Uh, they're batting maybe a little thin, but again, the similar tracks in Australia to what they play in South Africa. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you as well. Can't wait for that series. Norske is a serious bowler mm. from South Africa. And yeah. Big Jansen, the left armour, is good yes. bowler. And Rabada's obviously one of the best in the world. So, it's a pretty good attack. One of those attacks probably hasn't been out here for a little while. Probably the Indian one, but yeah, yep. it was the South African one. That's probably as good as we would have faced for a while. Yeah, I agree. Uh, tomorrow, Australia take on England again in Game 3 at the MCG. Uh, there will be no sports day tomorrow because you'll be listening to Jared and Adam Collins calling the cricket. So, and then we'll be back on Wednesday. Um, let's switch tack a little bit. It was the opening of the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. And Qatar became the first nation... To lose the opening game, uh, two nil. How do you reckon that would be received? Not well, <laughs> not well. I had that as, on Friday. I had that as my doomsday scenario. If they lost, I actually had them losing five nil. But if, <laughs> but two nil was bad enough. Um, stadium almost empty by the end of the game. Well, people get thirsty, Bonds. <laughs> what do you think about that? Oh. Well, it, it was <laughs> like uh, it's it's um. It was all sort of up in the air and they were talking $140 for a beer and then it was down to $14 and then all of a sudden, no, there will no be no beer inside the stadium. Oh, I'm a beer drinker. So I, found, I only got educated on this today. That right. The sponsor is Budweiser, is that correct? Yes. And you can't buy beer at in the, the stadium. stadium. Yeah. Oh, they pay money, I, for, they I, pay money for beer rights at the venues. And culturally, I don't know where it stands in that part of yeah. the world, but... Far out, like to, for Ecuador to be winning or leading 2 0 and the crowd chanting, We want beer, we want beer, and walk out. It's, it's not a great start for the World Cup. But the pressure that comes on countries, Bonds, yes. when they host the sporting event, it's a big deal. How it was acquired was controversial, but for them to be under the pump right from day one, it, we've seen what happens with the cricket. Yes. You have an average start, sloppy start, and it just rips through the whole tournament and it's hard to peg back. Yeah, it's been a bit, uh, there's just a few. Murmurs coming out of Qatar about a, a few disruptions outside the stadium as well. And um, and there's a, a lot of videos online with people lining up forever and trying to get into places. Now, you're always going to have that at a major event. But, uh, Do you like the World Cup soccer? I'm, I'm not a massive soccer fan, but I, I will come to the end of the tournament. I'll be all over it. Yeah. <laughs> so any world event, whether it be the Olympics or... You know, any, any World Cup of some sort, 
uh, the World Series for baseball, um, Super Bowl. I'm all over those. I'm not fond of. I like my American sport anyway. But yes, I think if you if you're a sports nuffy, um, like a lot of us are, absolutely you get into it. Um, the 36ers had a up and down weekend. So on Friday night they uh, they defeated New Zealand. Um, sorry, on the Friday night they had a win against Melbourne, and then they went to New Zealand on Sunday. It was a good game of basketball. I watched the end of the second half of this and uh, New Zealand won by six points. Cleveland was good for the Sixers, 21 points. Robert Franks was good, 14 points. Barry Brown Jr. for uh, New Zealand had 22 points, including a banked three-pointer to put the game out of the <laughs> Sixers' reach, which was annoying. And Derek Parton had 19 points. So I want to talk about Derek Parton. Derek Parton is the centre for uh, the Breakers. He has not taken a shot outside the keyway for the whole season. He's a genuine five-man or centre, yes. whatever they call it. Yeah, he's yeah. a good player. I like the Breakers. They yeah. are a good team. And they are a good team. Like they've been so stressed. It's been a couple of years we haven't played at home, given the COVID yeah. circumstances. And it's been incredible to watch what they've been subjected to. But they're, they're very talented. I, I can't quite get a pulse on the 36s yet. I, I think they have great capability. And I think their best basketball is ahead of them. There's something there. And I think... Bruton seems to do a reasonable job with them, how he coaches them. And I thought that was a very admirable loss, if you can have one, over yes. there against a good team. Yeah, they're, they're starting to get it together. Obviously, Craig Randall the second was uh, disruptive to the team. Even doesn't matter how good a player you are. What are your thoughts on if you've got a superstar that's hard to manage? How do you, how do you deal with that as oh, a coach? It's very seductive. Like what he did over in, against Phoenix, hmm. I'm sure all of us who've watched basketball and love it, and especially 36ers fans, will go, how good is this year going to be? But it put undue pressure on the 36 I think, from yep. that point. The superstar factor is very seductive because if you a bit like we were talking before, the good with the bad, match-winning capability, but do they behave in a way that's not congruent with the team system? And if yes. CJ and the management organisation at 36 is really value that, then there's going to be a big gap. And then teammates will generally be the first one. So your players will generally pick up on a, a, a player that's a bit – Fractures the change rooms mm. and feels, especially if, if the group feel like that person gets special treatment, look out what comes your way. And it sounds like it came to a head with expectations that were put to him. Uh, once again, far from the story, but just trying to piece it all together. The superstar factor, they can be the best thing for you or they can be the worst. And I'm not sure where Randall fitted in that, but I admired 36ers for taking a stance because you can sit on it and try and manage it and keep getting mixed bag results or you can be decisive and be strong. And hopefully they get the rewards for that. So what you're telling me, if a player of that ilk, that standard, came to Norwood and was disrupted in the group, he missed, missed some trainings, he uh, felt that he was better than the rest, um, would he be gone from the club? We have selection as our main weapon. Yep. So when you're a club like us, you have reserves. And reserves footy I value really highly for multiple reasons, Bonds. Uh, you can develop your game, but you can also go back and improve your game. And we hold a high level of integrity in selection with what you, how you behave to retain your spot, but also what you do to get back in. And, uh, yeah, I believe there are opportunities that you get minimal chances to take, the, take those half volleys that get offered to you as a coach or a coaching group or a club. And we have that leverage of selection. And then if people behave themselves further out, then that leads to not being at the club. I haven't had to be involved in that actual situation people have left for a variety of reasons when yes. i've done this job in the past but when it's the superstar factor it has to be managed very sensitively but appropriately yeah i uh, just want to give a pat on the back to the tasmanian jack jumpers they have banned one of their fans 
who threw a clapper, you know, the plastic clappers, threw a clapper at a New Zealand player over the weekend, and they have banned him for life. So hats off to the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. They're doing a lot of things right down there in Tassie. It all comes back to leadership bonds. Have a look at who was there trying to settle the crowd down. It was the coach. Scott yes. Roth has engaged the Tasmanian faithful like you wouldn't believe. He he gets it. Oh, we've got so much respect for that guy. I'm Tasmanian. Of course. I don't know if you've worked it out about no, my I, I'm, I'm more than aware. <laughs> I don't know if it's been that obvious. But, um, but Roth is a leader. Yes. And I, I really respect him. And leadership doesn't just the sexy things, not like winding up the crowd when you win. It's how you stand up to adversity and situations that are prickly. And I thought it was uncouth what happened. I'm, my family live in Launceston, so that was at the Silver Dome in Launceston yep. and the one opportunity, I think, maybe for the year to get a game. And that behaviour is not acceptable. And it can be acceptable if organisations don't do anything about it and they tolerate it. So strong stance, good move. Yep, well done to the Jack Jumpers and Scott Roth. Uh, he has, had, like you said, he's done everything right and – they had immediately gained a respect of every club in the NBL and outside the NBL as well. They've been unbelievable. Uh, no, they have. And their... to do it in such a short period of time. Yes. Like, yeah, it's incredible. And Will Magnay is arguably the best player. He's hardly played in two years. So they've been playing undersized. They play spirited. They value defence. They have got the respect of the competition just because of a way of going about it. And it's all because of Roth. Yeah, and good to see him back on the weekend as well. You can stream every NFL game live this season on NFL Game Pass. Visit nflgamepass.com. This is Sports Day with Twig Rawlings and Paul Bonds. And we'll be back after this. You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Welcome back to Sports Day SA. Paul Bonza and Jade Rawlings Twig, uh, the Premiership coach of the Norwood Footy Club. Do you like being called the Premiership coach? I couldn't be prouder, but I actually get a bit embarrassed about it. It doesn't really. The fullness of it sinking in, still taking its time. Okay. uh, Yeah. We might chat about that in a minute. It's time for the Kia Top 5. The Kia, uh, the eight-seat Kia Carnival is a grand utility vehicle. I'll let you go first, Twig. What have you got for us? What's your Top 5. Well, I've decided. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't say that. It was very edgy. Um, I've gone with number one draft picks over the last 20 years in light of the national draft pending. And when you go through the list, it's not the most successful selection, number one. There's been a lot of misses over the years. But let's focus on the positives of the people who have impacted. And I thought number five, a guy that is probably still slightly underrated, but when – I know for a fact recruiters are very gun-shy on recruiting key position players. Yep. The record suggests that they take a while and the pressure and all that. But Jacob Wiedering has been a seriously good player for Carlton over quite a number of years now. And I still don't think he gets the full kudos that he deserves. And number four possibly should have been a North Melbourne uh, – sorry, a Carlton player, if not for the sanctions that were imposed at the time. But Brendan Goddard, I thought yep. – he was the best player in the competition in 2010. I was doing opposition in an AFL club that year. So you watch a lot of footy and I thought head and shoulders above. He was the best player in the comp. And, yeah, probably his Essendon stuff wasn't – he had some good periods, but leaving St Kilda probably had a bad taste in his mouth. But I thought he was a really good performer. Uh, to get 30 votes or plus, whatever it was, as a teenager – First-year player. Brown low votes. The first-year player was, is incredible. And Sam Walsh is a – He's never played reserves footy. He's just hit the ground running. He's a pro. Looks like a good kid. Uh, impacts big games. So a little respect for what he's done. And that's obviously a big call only three years in. Uh, Nick Revolt, number two. He 
was a ridiculous level of athleticism and marking capability. It was just a bit undersized in his first year or two, but he was, it was probably three. Richardson, Brown and Revolt were the hardest runners in the competition. They're all centre-half forwards. And so and his marking, his influence on the game, his passion and his consistency was at a high end. Uh, number one, I think quite clearly, is Luke Hodge. To have won a couple of Norm Smiths, to be a four-time premiership player, to be captain, to be tough, to influence games at key moments. Um, he's just a good old-fashioned footballer's footballer. Yep. And uh, I think people probably... Seen the good bloke side of him as well after his retirement. You've been a Hawks yeah. man, Bonds. You'd appreciate yeah. what he contributed. and Ah, oh, an yeah. amazing leader. And, uh, yeah, I think well-respected from everyone in the football industry. Yeah, it's a, and that's probably a legacy piece. Everyone strives and yep. you walk away respected. And Selwood this year just universally respect how he is as a person, how he goes about his footy, the impact he had, premierships, captaincy, all that stuff. But, no, Hodge, clear number one for me. All right. My top five is the things I want to see this summer, Twig. Uh, firstly, at five, I want to see Steve Smith dominating again, which I don't think we're, I don't think that's a, a too far away on what he's shown in the last uh, week or so. I want to see Travis Head get multiple hundreds like he did last summer. He won Player of the Series in the Test uh, last year, so just a little bit of South Aussie, Aussie bias there, but that's why we're here at Sports ASA, not Sports Day Victoria. <laughs> uh, I want to see Scott Boland playing the Boxing Test. That was incredible last year. It was. It was. I want to see it all again. Yeah, and you're a greedy man, Bones, but I reckon that's a fair <laughs> enough uh, desire and want from this summer. Uh, I'd, number two, I'd like to see Alex Carey. Um, I want to see him make his first Test 100. He had a couple of good 50s last year, didn't he? Yeah, one in made Hobart th- and one in yeah, Adelaide. He's made three fifties. He averages about 32, 33. So love to see Kez get his first 100. And the number one thing I want to see, and we mentioned him earlier in the show, I want to see Mitch Stark rip through the top order of South Africa when we play them. He does have the barometer feel, like we were talking about before. Like the Ashes gets off to the on the right foot last year because yeah. the first ball to Rory Burns, and uh, yeah, and he's always had just that lingering bit of pessimism about him and scepticism from some of the past greats. But he's been a champion of Australian cricket, and he'll be a good tone setter if he got it off on the right note. All right, that's our top five for today, and uh, don't forget, a Black Friday deals are on now at Toolkit Depot. Stock is limited, so get in quick, Toolkit Depot. Before we go to a break, I just want a couple of Norwood things. A couple of Norwood things. Obviously, Premiership, fantastic. One point, and you're still getting over it, which is great. Um, Jackson Callow coming back to the club, a big plus for you guys. Yeah, it really is. So we love Callow. He gave a lot of himself as an 18-year-old in his first year with us. And, uh, you know, he... Eight games I think we had him for, and, yeah, he started to become quite dominant. Looked elite. He did, and... Mm-hmm. There were some games that you, you could have been happier, but deep down you're going, this is killing us. Like the mid-season draft, they're just going to take him. And uh, he had a year-and-a-half opportunity at Hawthorne. He got three games. Uh, he's an outstanding human. He's uh, got a good uh, outlook on how this all unfolded, clearly disappointed. But, yeah, it wasn't just a lay-down Mazzetti. He comes back to Nord. There was definitely a desire. Our relationship's really strong. But yep. he got him well with the players. And whenever you've got the opportunity to bring a key forward into your team, it's uh, something that's... Certainly not take for granted from us. Says a lot about the club too. Um, now you've named your reserves coach, Michael Knoll. Uh, great that he was coach the 18s last year and then gets a chance to move up the ladder a little. Yeah, quality person, uh, real Norwood person within a couple of years. Uh, after the one year of playing, his knees were in a position where what's he really playing for? And he decided that if it wasn't going to be striving to play AFL, then he didn't want to subject himself to that. Torture and yeah, but coaching was a passion. He's an educated man, he's a qualified teacher now, and we couldn't have been more impressed. 
what he did with our 18s and um, we saw relationships or a work ethics or an understanding of the game and uh, we've got a bit of grey hair in our coaching group so to get someone young and a bit of a shooting star in Vons <laughs> was a bit of an agenda so uh, very pleased with Nolte being involved. All right, I want to ask you about Tasmania, but we'll leave that to after the break. Uh, after the break also, we've got Gemma Barsby coming up on the show and also we're going to speak to uh, Sean Tui from The Sample and have a chat with him as well. Um, just quickly, any kids coming up through the ranks that might play a lot of league footy this year at Nord? Uh, from our under-18s, yeah. yeah. Tyson Walls played a little bit of reserves footy and looked okay. Taj Rahui, someone who is uh, dynamic. And, uh, yeah, well, there's a couple that we have to wait to see if they get drafted. But Phoenix Foster is borderline. Alex Van Wick's the other one. I think Van Wick could really be a star. Fantastic. Stay with us. This is Sports Day SA. This is Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Welcome back to Sports Day SA. It's a Monday afternoon. Uh, Bonds and Twig. That's not bad. Uh, I don't know. They should be a rap group or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can be part of the show. 0427 154 That's the text line for weeks. Discover exceptional customer service. Weeks homes. Discover different. And Twig, uh, on the line now from the very successful Adelaide Strikers, uh, you can rely on your local Repco authorised service centre for expert car service. Book online at repcoservice.com. And it's our very own. We're proud to call her our own. It's Gemma Barsby. Gemma, welcome back to Sports ASA. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, you've had a, a pretty good weekend. On Friday, you had a good win over the Hurricanes. You got a threefer. That was nice. Uh, Hurricanes made 154 and you guys knocked them off uh, in the f- under 15 overs. And T-Mac, your skipper, 94 not out. How good was that to watch? Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, yeah, it was nice to uh, yeah watch from the sidelines and, and get uh, yeah back in some form. So, yeah, it was very nice to watch from the sideline. And, yeah, hopefully she can um, bring that form again this Thursday. And, Gemma, you obviously had a really good tournament yourself with your bowling. What's a measurement? I listen to Big Bash teams talk a lot about their game style and their strategy and how do you guys equate success? Like obviously the scoreboard will always dictate it, but is it an economy rate with your bowling? Is it uh, how you tie down a batsman? Is it uh, match-ups? How do you guys go about a game style? Yeah, it's probably a bit of all of that, to be honest. We um, we do previews on, on every side and do like match-ups of um, who's, who works well against what end and what end and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's probably about, um, a bit of all three of them. And, um, yeah, it's kind of contributing. So I know that was probably one of the games where I opened the bowling to allow um, allow Shooter to come on through, during that middle over and use a, a bit more effective um, during that. So, yeah, it kind of just depends on the matchups and, and who we're playing. And what about for yourself, the psychology of bowling? Clearly, Batters are offering you a lot of different challenges at the other end with the shots they're trying to play and suss you out. Are you ongoingly making decisions about their footwork, their weakness, and what type of speed you need to go at? Yeah, absolutely. Especially being a spinner, um, either taking wickets or getting smacked. So you're <laughs> trying to have to stay um, stay ahead of the game and and kind of know the, um, the batter that you're bowling to. So yeah, it's kind of trying to stay that one step ahead of them. But when you come up the likes of the internationals and the Aussie players and stuff, it's, yeah, it's normally a pretty good challenge. Now, you mentioned Shooter there. Uh, Megan Shoot, 
she took six for 19 off 3.3, the best bowling figures in the WBBL ever. Um, and you've become part of a pretty good bowling lineup. Like it's almost an Australian lineup, let's be honest. But you've, <laughs> you've made yourself part of that lineup. How much belief is there in, in that group about restricting sides, regardless of what the team scores? Yeah, absolutely. And we probably showed that a bit this year. Obviously, um, our batting probably hasn't been up to the standard that we'd like consistently this season. So, yeah, um, the bowlers have probably had to, um, yeah, bolt defend totals that we probably wouldn't have blocked. That's just all a part of T20 cricket. And, yeah, like you said, with the, with the, with the bowling attack that we have, which is pretty much all um, people that have represented Australia, except for myself, it's it's a pretty remarkable uh, bowling lineup. And, yeah, they just seem to have to target me, which is either goes one of um, either way, really. Um, now, was Shooter up and about after the game in the change rooms, or was she uh, pretty composed? Oh, absolutely. She's always up and about, so you don't have to give her any um, any reason to get up and about. But, yeah, it was an amazing achievement for her last night. And, yeah, I don't think it will happen again for a little bit, but it would be nice if she could do it again on, on Thursday. And with the situation you guys have got yourself in with playing on Thursday, do you go down and watch the heat and the hurricanes? Do you watch it on TV? What's the approach from yourself with preparation for that final on Thursday? Yeah, I'll probably um, watch a little bit of it and just to see um, how it's going, how the wicket's playing. Um, yeah, and that kind of the, the styles the teams decide to come out and play. So, yeah, I'll probably be keeping an eye on it just to just to see how it's all going and who the likelihood of will be playing on Thursday. And it'll obviously be the same deck that's played on Wednesday for Thursday as well. Is that how they do it? Yeah, absolutely. I would assume it'd be, yeah, the same wicket. So it'll probably, yeah, potentially uh, could change a little bit with, having that extra day um, to be yeah to be played on and obviously the game as well. So it might change change slightly, but I don't think it will change drastically. Now, Gemma, your uh, shooter came out today and she said that she wants to play the Heat. And we'll have a, give you a listen to what she said. I'd love to say I'd take it as it comes, but I'd love to beat the Heat. Um, <laughs> they're, they're a team we enjoy beating and we should have won the other week back in Adelaide. So for me, it would be very sweet. Um to for the heat to beat the hurricanes and then and then we smoke the heat. That's that's my dream. One of those teams, you know. Um, individually, I actually quite like them all, but collectively they're just um, yeah, bunch of different people. Um, <laughs> so when they're out in the field, the way they play their cricket, it's a bit arrogant in my opinion. So um, and generally in cricket, we don't really like arrogance. So um, yeah, we'll try and bring them back down to earth. Now, Gemma, you used to play for the heat. <laughs> <laughs> were you arrogant when you were at the heat? Oh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I guess you'd have to ask um, other people that. We're, yeah, it's not until you start, kind of step out of the side and um, see it from the opposition's point of view, what, what they actually think of sides. <laughs> oh, good work. Uh, now, we will go through that. Wednesday is the Heat playing the Hurricanes at 6.30 at Karen Rolt Noble. And then Thursday, it's the Strikers playing the winner of that game, 6.30. And uh, then the final is on Saturday at North Sydney Oval against the Sixers at 5pm. So that's uh, just a matter of uh, getting winning on Thursday night and then jumping on a plane and going over and beating, beating uh, the Sixers in Sydney. That'll be easy, won't it? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good challenge, that's for sure. And yeah, I think if we are able to um, yeah get over the line on Thursday, I think... Saturday will be an absolute cracking game. Um, Sydney Sixers have been, yeah, the standout side and 
all season. So if we if we can go there and play some really good cricket, I reckon we'll get on top of them. Gemma, we wish you all the best uh, for the final on Thursday night. Go well yourself personally, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you playing on Saturday against the Sixers. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good luck, Gemma. Gemma Barsby, superstar from the Strikers and uh, one of one of our girls. Now, we proudly call her our Gemma Barsby twig. Um, she's a great human being. Yeah, it should, you can just tell there's a passion for the game and she's a, obviously seems like a good teammate and, yeah, understands where she fits in. Like, we've got superstar attack around her at all the international level and, yeah, she, uh, I like listening to the sound of her voice. Sounds like she'd be really passionate about the game and a good teammate. Now, before we get to our next guest, uh, Sean Tui, from Head of Operations for the Samples, coming on to have a chat with us, I before the break I said I wanted to ask you about Tasmania ending the, entering in the AFL. Uh, firstly, your thoughts on Tassie being a Tassie boy. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, it just gets done. I just can't see any way that it should never have been done. And a lot of the, my spirit and confidence around it was I was lucky enough to be invited to a presentation about two or three years ago with an advisory group who were looking to basically – run the feasibility study of can Tassie endure uh, an AFL team. And when you listen to those guys who are really credible businessmen, it was based on business and not passion and spirit and emotion, which is probably the previous time Tassie tried to do that. They tried to play on that. So I always had confidence, uh, the stadium part of it. I could understand the, Tass- the Launceston Hobart thing. I think it's, just, it's always going to be there, but I think people understand that the licence gets granted, the base will be out of Hobart. So it just gets done. I'm not a believer in this whole retention thing. I'm a big on environment. If they get it right, if they get offered this licence, go get the right people to understand environment and set up the right way. Retention will take care of itself. So I'm I'm really passionate about it. I, I'm pretty sure it'll go through with everything you read. And I agree. It'll be a matter of how long it takes from to set it up. I think the draft concessions need to be issued, similar they were to the Giants and Suns. And also, they probably need a team in the VFL for at least a couple of years. What about you personally? I don't want to drag you away from Norwood, but if an opportunity came down the track four or five years' time, uh, would you love to be involved with a Tasmanian AFL team? Uh, I, I've learned in my career never to crystal ball too far. Like People talk about five- and ten-year plans. I get it, but so much can change. So I love what I do. Our family's building a life in Adelaide. Yes. So Sally and the children are moving over from Tassie in January, so that's exciting and that's – Clearly not a, a loose thing to do, just to flip them over Correct. here for a little bit. So I'm very committed to Norwood and uh, I'd, I would only ever confront that if it was a possibility. And I've said to Norwood, I don't ever leave if, if while they want me, if it was a job I couldn't refuse. So yeah. what what that would possibly look like, how, how I'm viewed is another thing I'm not sure just because I'm from Tassie and I coach doesn't mean it, that I'll get a position or even be spoken to. So I'm pretty pragmatic about it all. Any thoughts on what the name should be? Uh, well, as you can probably tell, we got pretty fancy with the jack jumpers because I had a lot of questions. Well, what, initially, what is a jack jumper? Yeah, initially, but now everyone loves it. Yeah, well, it's, they're it, all over the jackies. Well, they've branded it brilliantly because the yes. jackies uh, uh, is the nickname. Yes, Every, green is big in Tassie, so even when they made the finals last year, all the schools would dress up in green. So, the the advertising and marketing are what would be important, but they they need to engage the state, and I thought it was a good decision by basketball. Simon Brookhouse, the CEO, to engage the state. They vote on it. The state's connected with them because of how they play and then they've connected with the, the naming of it, in my opinion, the Jack Jumpers. It's got to be the Devils, doesn't it? It seems straightforward, the Devils. <laughs> it's been, yeah, the Tigers for cricket and Devils, yeah. what the, the VFL team that was in a few years ago was. Everyone resonated with that. It almost seems too obvious, but sometimes when it's looking at you straight in the face, you should just stroke it through the covers like you used to, Bonds. Yeah, and the co- and the colours has to be the state colours, you think? I think so. The only... 
thing against what's current with other teams that they are more regional. So West Coast was a broad name, Fremantle specific, Port specific, Adelaide captures Tassie being a state thing. Mm. Uh, but you'd think Tassie Devils with the Tassie colours would be what most people would expect it to be, but you never know. Yeah, we've had a couple of people mention that it should be the state jumper. I don't think that for a second. It should be a, a new design jumper, but I'd love to see them use the Tasmanian colours. I yeah, I tend to agree with you. I hadn't thought about that. I would agree yeah. the colours, but they need to identify as their own logo, not as the state. Correct, correct, yeah. I, I think I think that's uh, the way to go. And who knows, Twig, there might be a coaching job down the track. I know you don't like crystal ball, but who knows? You might just become the coach of the Tassie Devils. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Nord Red Legs rolls off the tongue pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it's time to speak to our next guest um, and a great man he is too. Our next guest is brought to us by Tire Power Brands You Can Trust like Maxis Tires. The big holiday sale is on now. And we have the head of football operations at the Sandful, Sean Tui. Sean, welcome to Sports Day SA. Thank you for having me. Now, Sean, um, how did the sample reflect on last season? It was a pretty successful season, pretty good grand final. Well, I think if you ask the bloke next to you, he would definitely say that. And uh, I think as a as an organisation, we we definitely agree. It was a, I mean, that grand final, the game itself was a culmination of an of an amazing season and probably got the stage that it, that it deserved, really, with, with the finish it had. I'm sure North Adelaide and Jacob Surgeon wouldn't necessarily agree with the outcome, but I suppose as, as a spectacle and the standard of our competition and, and an advertisement for football in South Australia, I think it was it was brilliant and we were you know, hugely satisfied with, with the season and how it went. So with that, Sean, when you do reflect the grand finals, the culmination of the whole season, how, what other metrics do you guys have as indicator that the season's been successful for you guys? Well, yeah, I suppose just being there on that day is one thing. But then if you look at broadcast over the season, you know, through through our partner, our broadcast partner, Channel 7, you know, those numbers were as high as they've been for a long time. Um, our average audience and our reach there. And then, again, through the finals by extension uh, and the grand final itself, numbers are really big. Um, you know, we're dominating our time slot every week. So but when sample, you know, footy is on the channel, on the on the TV, on a Saturday or at any time during the year, you know, we're, we're more than doubling, really, the viewership of any other channel at that time, which is fantastic. Um, sample now, our digital um, platform, our streaming platform, numbers are really good this year as well. And attendance is, is, is another metric, you know, we, we really want to boost. That was down this year on previous years. Um, there were various reasons for that. You know, COVID was still impacting us early in the year. Conditions weren't super favourable for attending the footy, but I think just generally across the board, attendances at sports have been down. So we'd love to bump that back up and, and get the numbers back at our sample grounds. But but overall, you know, those metrics are the main ones we probably look at from a viewership and, and consumer perspective that we rate very highly. Sure. And how long are Channel 7 locked in for with the sample? That's a really good question. I definitely know we're back on board next year. I couldn't, I couldn't actually tell you how, how long beyond that, but... It's a partnership that's been ongoing for some time now, and um, whilst it's, it's becoming more and more challenging with the amount of football content across men's and women's AFL, AFLW, um, and the Sandful, and you know, we've got our Sandful W Grand Final on, on live TV for the first time ever this year. Um, the time slots are becoming challenging, but it's a partnership that really works for both parties, and hopefully it continues long into the future. And what about yourself, Sean? You've been a Footy manager in uh, Victoria and come over to South Australia to run this position, head of operations, and I'm sure it's probably got 
a bigger layer to it than what you may have anticipated when you first moved over. How are you, how are you enjoying South Australia and the role itself? Yeah, I love it, Twig. Um, like yourself, bit of bit of a uh, a fly-in type operator here, and it's my second stint at the Sample in South Australia. Um, we came back for a reason because our first experience was amazing. It's a great lifestyle in Adelaide, and it suits my family and I. We live out in the western suburbs, not far from the beach. Sample are a fantastic organisation to work for. I get to come into work at Adelaide Oval most days, and um, and I love the the football. Uh, uh, environment in South Australia, you know, the, the club atmosphere um, and, and right through the juniors. Through the senior and league football in the sample competition is fantastic. It's a, it's a different pathway to what you know, I experienced growing up, but it's something that I honestly wish I could have experienced growing up too, to go through that pathway where I wasn't quite good enough to make the, the top level, but I, I would have loved to have the opportunity to, to forge out a state league career in the sample if I had grown up in, in that environment and know more about it. So... Um, it's something I, I really do love, mate, and um, I think I'm like yourself, you know, I, I, I'm a bit of a student of the game and the history of Sample footy, and it's something that I just think is, is steeped in it, and we're very lucky to be a part of. Sean, the AFL footy, uh, Festival Footy was announced a week or so ago, coming to Adelaide. Big weekend in Adelaide with all AFL games played here. Now, it's already been mentioned that the Sample will probably have a buy. Is that going to run through all competitions? And also, what does it mean financially for the sample to have this weekend in Adelaide? Well, to answer the first part of your question, yes, all sample competitions will have a buy. We may still look at running our under-16 and under-18 competitions, which we can run early in the day. It's probably a good opportunity with every AFL club in town to run those competitions. There's no school football on at that time. So all the best players will be playing in those competitions. Um, so we think that'll still run, but every other state league uh, competition will be... Uh, having a buy that weekend, men's, women's, um, and then our sample juniors as well. Adelaide Footy League have committed to having a buy. So basically there'll be no local football in all of metropolitan Adelaide, which is a good thing. And then we're just working through with our regional competitions what it looks like for them to, to incorporate another buy in the timeframes that that pushes them out by. But we're hopeful that we can get most of them on board to have a buy as well and, and fully, be fully focused on the AFL that weekend and, and footy in, in Adelaide. Um, financially, it's probably not so much the financial aspect to it. I mean, it's, it's, it's great exposure for football in South Australia, for our stadiums, potentially for our sample clubs to have AFL clubs training and, and hopefully playing there. Um, it's just a good, fantastic advertisement for football in SA overall and something that hopefully all our fans, players, volunteers, um, corporate partners can really benefit from. And Sean, what about the SANFL engaged in a review of the pathway system through 2022 and really good initiative to get someone like Leon Cameron involved? Have the findings been concluded on that and, and has it been received by the clubs? Yeah, just in the latter stages of completing that review, we, uh, the process, like you said, having having Leon Cameron involved as a, as a third-party consultant, I guess, with a, with a consulting firm has been uh, something that's uh, benefited us, I think, in the process and getting his his expertise and, and just his passion for for what he uh, what he was tasked with in in that in that review was was great to see um, and some amazing insights. There'll be some findings that'll be presented. They're still to be presented to commission and then beyond that to the clubs, which I'm, I'm pretty sure may happen next month. But um, yeah, it's definitely in the latter stages of that draft report being 
being said to us to to really get our teeth into. So hopefully there's some really good outcomes for football and, and the pathways in South Australia. What about the state game? I'm a big fan of the state game and we're building up a nice little rivalry with WA every year uh, due to be played in Adelaide this year. Will it be at the Adelaide Oval or is it time to get it to a suburban ground like Norwood, which we will be, no doubt? Yeah, it's a good question. It's uh, Over the last number of years, it's been a curtain raiser to AFL games, both, both in Perth and in Adelaide. So I suppose a lot of it is dependent on the AFL fixture and you know, the, the weekend we're probably looking towards is around the 20th of May and whether or not that works in with, with whatever game there is at Adelaide Oval that weekend. So it's like a lot of things with our, with our fixturing and planning for, for next year until that AFL fixture drops. Uh, it's hard to have too much certainty, but it will be going ahead. It's something that the sample and the waffle are committed to and um, we've, we've managed to win the last two and, and Twig was a big part of that this year. So um, hopefully we can continue that streak and keep providing that platform and opportunity for our, our elite state league players. And what, what's the feel within the competition of potential draftable players, Sean? Obviously, we get a lot of recruits over the last couple of years who probably see this as a real vehicle to get themselves back in the AFL. What's the SNFL's feel of the, the opportunities that may be there for players in the competition at the moment? Yeah, we think there's some really good opportunities for, for some of our young talent to, to be picked up next week. Um, obviously, there's there's a few that, that are getting a bit more attention publicly than others. Mateus Philippou being one, who hopefully you know he's a first rounder. Um, and then obviously the Crows have committed to young Max Michael Annie, the All Boys there, Twig. So that's a, that's a great result for young Max as well. Um, and then I suppose if you're looking at, at key tools, Harry Barnett at West Adelaide has, has had a great year. Um, Jacob Ryan out of Glenelg is probably not dissimilar to Max, um, sort of rebounding. Defender, um, and then Isaac Keeler at, at North Adelaide is exciting prospect as well with with his capabilities, um, and he's a young developing tool. So, uh, but then also, as you say, a bit of a destination competition for some more mature age talent that want to come over here and find a path either into or back into the AFL system. Probably highlighted by the six uh, draftees in the mid-season draft this year. So. I think we're in a good place finding that balance between, you know, a really good, strong state league competition, but also being a pathway competition to the next level. And hopefully that continues next week. Just uh, want to touch on maybe rule changes. Is there anything coming in this season that we can sort of announce? Or uh, Twig and I spoke before we came on air about the last possession rule. Really like the way it works in the AFLW with just between the arcs. Is that a possibility for a change coming season? I wouldn't have thought so. We had a we had a Laws of the Game committee meeting post this season. Um, it was raised by one of the members as, as a discussion point. It's something we probably need to look into and, and see if we can gather some data to, to, to investigate the impact of that a bit further. But um, at this stage, I'd anticipate there, there won't be any rule changes for 2023, barring anything outstanding coming from the AFL in the next month or two. To feel a bit of if it ain't broke, don't fix it, Sean. Seems that's your mentality, is it? I, I think that's a pretty common sense mentality at the moment. <laughs> I, think so. I love when he gets feisty, Bonds. <laughs> he gets really wound up, Sean. You, so we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, what are you looking forward to for the coming season, Sean, before we let you go? Oh, well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how A, um, Norwood back up from this year in what was an, an unbelievable finish to the season. 
Our North Adelaide bounced back from, I guess, the disappointment of what happened on grand final day. And you've got the likes of, you know, some proud clubs in that next tier, like Glenelg, um, Woodville West Torrens, who missed the finals for the first time in a few years. And if you look at, you know, the, the players coming into the competition, Central Districts have been very active in their recruiting in the off-season so far. Uh, West Adelaide finished the year off well. So I think um, South Adelaide have recruited well as well out of the AFL system. So I think, that, you know, everything's shaping up to, to be a really strong and even year across the board. And, um, and that's what we love about Sample Footy. I think we've had... Um, eight or nine of our 10 teams make a preliminary final over the last 10 years. So um, if that's any indication, then, um, you know, we're in a pretty healthy position. John, thanks for your time. Really appreciate you joining us on Sports ASA. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. John Tui, Head of Football Operations with The Sample. Good chat there, Twig. Um, he's, um, he's just got that passion, doesn't he? He's a good man. I really like him. He, he and I got a good personal relationship, but I really respect the job he does. He he understands the comp. He understands management. He understands how to engage clubs, which is important in your club land. You want to at least feel you're being heard for the appropriate things and appropriate reasons. But uh, he's just a good footy man. And uh, we went away on the state tour and got him very well. So, uh, yeah, I, I really like the, what he brings to the role, as I do the whole SNFL administration. They're really well run and they, they're good people. Great. Um, thanks for coming in today and joining us on the show. Uh, really appreciate you. He's been a, a, been a great show and a fantastic co-host, and I'm sure we'll get you back in again. Uh, pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Bon. This has been Sports Day. Good night, everyone, and have a great day. Listening to Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free, and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.